Human geography and media studies are two disciplines that have been centrally concerned with notions of movement and technology, whether people, information or symbols. Here at Carlstow University, the Geomedia Group has built a growing network of researchers who are centrally concerned with questions about the role of media in organising and giving meaning to processes at work in technologies of spatialisation. For these researchers, geomedia is best understood as an emerging field that studies the complex dialectics of space, mobility and media. It is about making sense of the complex forces that mould societies, territories and bodies. Hello and welcome. My name is John Lynch, Associate Professor at Castle University in Film and Media Studies. And today I'll be talking to four people involved in the geomedia research group here at the university. These are Andre Janssen, Professor of Media and Communication Studies and Director of the Research Group and author of Mediatization and Mobile Lives, a Critical Approach published in 2018. Makanen Tesfahuni, Professor of Human Geography and who co-edited the book Privileged Mobilities, Tourism as World Ordering in 2016. Lena Grip, Senior Lecturer in Human Geography and who researches in the areas of home and belonging and the role of media within this and Karin Fast, Senior Lecturer in Media and Communication Studies and co-author of a soon-to-be-published book titled Transmedia Work, Privilege and Precariousness in Digital Modernity. Welcome everyone. Andre, um, media in many ways has always been about movement, writing itself, constructed as a means of mobility, of information, or a map that you carry with you to navigate through unfamiliar territory. How do we get, therefore, from media to geomedia? Why is it useful to foreground this geographical aspect of media today? Well, today it's, um, to a great extent, uh, the background to this research group is um, the new technological developments that we have seen in, in for example, um, location-based services, various forms of geotagging, etc. Uh, and the fact that these uh, means of navigation and spatial representations are, are today kind of incorporated in our everyday technology that yeah, most people today are carrying with them um, all the time. So, so that is one important reason, of course, to why we want to study this uh, phenomenon. So has there been a change in the, the nature of the technology as such in relation to more geographical kind of... Yeah, area? I mean, what we see is that these different affordances of technology are becoming integrated or converging within one uh, technology or at least a few technologies rather than having separate uh, different technologies for, for different purposes. I mean, we can see that, for instance, in relation to tourism, where uh, the kind of the classical tourist traveled around with a map, uh, with a guidebook, um, sent postcards, etc. Now it's just one mobile phone uh, taking care of all these different uh, things. So that is one example of how, where we really can see how, how this uh, uh, media landscape is changing and also the way in which people navigate uh, uh, through space with, with the help of, of media. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, we think back to the idea of, of the book and, of course, the great 
power of the book was precisely its ability to move outside the the libraries of the of the traditional monasteries etc which kind of held on to that knowledge in particular ways Do, is what we see today then something qualitatively different in terms of the technology or is it just a sort of there's more of it it's more intensified it's i mean it's also qualitatively different um it's because of the the new forms of experience that these technologies may evoke but also the fact that you have a lot of technological surveillance for instance attached to, to this new system because you're continuously being um, traceable and you're monitored uh, because these technologies are uh, connected to our uh, new digital infrastructures so that is of course one qualitative change except for the, the fact that as you said that there are more and more uh, forms of information available today yeah I think that's a uh, uh, an important point really and something that of course many people um, think about in different ways um, in the book that you were all involved in uh, geomedia studies spaces and mobilities in mediatized worlds we find phrases such as new technological regimes uh, the tracking of goods and people empowering technologies all this draws attention to the multiple ways in which we're uh, subject to the dominance of communication technologies today how do you articulate this process? Is it something that's either positive or negative? I think it's a dialectical, uh, if I can continue on that. I mean, it's, um, it's dialectical in the sense that we are, on the one hand, um, able to, uh, to do more things and to reach more people, to stay in touch with people, to navigate, as we already talked about. Uh, at the same time, these technologies are also uh, creating new forms of dependence. So people become dependent on, on, on these, have to rely on different technologies. And, and with that also comes, for, instances, uh, for instance, uh, questions of, of surveillance, as I mentioned, um, various forms of, of power um, of, of, of the industry, the media industries, the te technology industries, etc. So it's, uh, I think it's, a, it's, a, it's actually a dialectical situation or, or development that we can see. Yes, I think perhaps it's also easy to detect this tension if we move, for example, to how our working lives has changed with the new regime of technologies and, and the ways in which, on the one hand, we can perform our work tasks much more easily and work processes are much smoother and, and faster, potentially. But on the other hand, we, we also have a more complex media landscape to navigate as employees and as employers. Uh, and again, uh, as you talked about, Andre, the whole question of surveillance, uh, we see also um, new possibilities of, of surveillance, both from an employer to an employee, but also amongst employees, um, more of the intervalence uh, or surveillance uh, um, appearing also to another extent in, in workplaces. Geography is foundational. Uh, no geography, no media. No geography, no mobility. Uh, what we are dealing with now is, is tremendous uh, as a consequence of the digital revolution. Uh, this tremendous coding, recoding, decoding of the world on a planetary uh, level. Um, the book is just one medium out of many that has been used to communicate 
move information, representations, images from one place to another. The map is foundationally uh, much more important, I think. And we could draw parallels to the digitization process now as a second remapping of the world, one which is more powerful, one which uh, is articulated in multiple ways, multiple specialities, temporalities are being created. And what I would like to stress is that the differential geographies of communication, of mobility, the creation of space and place have been accentuated because of the digital uh, revolution, the technology that Andre was talking about. So geomedia becomes very, very central. It's an attempt to study this, to conceptualize this, to theorize this, and make sense of this. Uh, yeah, in many ways, a true revolution. Sure, yeah. I mean, I, I suppose what more and more uh, people are becoming aware of is, I mean, when we think about, say, maps and guides in a traditional sense, um, we're aware of um, the, the nature of, of, of publishing and things like this. Today, there's, there seems to be a, much of the process of, of producing these things is invisible. So, you know, what we're presented with is something that's very clean, that's designed very well. But the, if you like, the sort of architecture of the technologies is, is much more... Uh, is, is less visible in that sense. Mm. But we are beginning to be aware that we're, in that sense, being guided or pushed mm. more than perhaps we've been aware of before. I mean, is that something that's a, a concern in this regard? Yeah, uh, I think that there is this... Um, um, the, the invisibility, that's one of the challenges that we have to deal with also as researcher because we have to really put ourselves out of our everyday normal uh, relationship with the media to even detect all of the interrelations between uh, media and, and spatial uh, relations that we cannot even detect unless we really open our eyes to it. Uh, one of the concepts that we talk about in the book is geomediatization. And apart from describing the qualitative shift um, of, of this, of, of um, technology and our relationship to technology, it also emphasizes exactly the kind of naturalization and normalization of geomedia to the extent that we might not even comprehend it or, or see it even. So it's certainly something uh, relevant. Uh, observation I think yeah I think they I believe the invisibility also is played out or rather uh, symbolized quite forcefully by the very concept of the cloud mm -hmm. it's not something that you can smell mm -hmm. can touch can see can feel but it's still there the virtual in other words uh, it's also articulated in the sense that uh, the digital and the new technologies are also part and parcel of the commodity capital and the commodity is a very strange thing it shows itself and it hides itself in that sense uh, the invisibility dialectics of visibility invisibility that we see in geomedia is part and parcel of this so who is being seen who is being 
made invisible, who is erased, what places, where, how. These are fundamental questions of power, uh, inequality, justice, etc. I think the idea of of comprehending the 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 scale of these technologies is important. How do we how do we address the question of scale today in relation to the media? I mean, I look at TV, and it's not even humanly possible anymore to watch even one episode of every new series available on Netflix. How do we begin to evaluate something so huge and which operates at inhuman speeds, where even as we analyze it, it's already changed and so on? What, you know, how, how do we address that as, as, as researchers, you know, with all our human limitations with this inhuman technology? Uh, but I think it's a matter of moving constantly between different levels. Uh, me, for myself, I, I tended to look mostly at everyday life uh, and, and working life in particular, but also our everyday engagement with, with media and, and new media that we might not even think about. Um, but then we also have to... I mean, you talked about commodification and the invisibility of, of labor, and that's also something that is captured, for example, in the notion of geospatial labor that uh, Trevor Schultz, for example, has talked about, which is exactly, I mean, it's then we really <laughs> move on to another macro level where we have to look much more thoroughly to, to even detect the kinds of power relations that play out and uh, the invisibilization of, of labor, for example. So it's it's everything from global capitalism and, and how that changes to, to our everyday practices and engagement with geomedia, I think. I think it's also quite symptomatic that there are an increasing number of studies now trying to focus upon things that are a bit beside kind of this process of normalization, normalization like the mar marginal places or marginal groups and also um, instances of uh, disconnection or dis disrupture and things like this. It's, it's uh, clearly a trend we can see and it's, I think that's also a way of problematizing the way in which things become more and more normal, taken for granted. So um, researchers start looking into these groups of um, resistance or um, kind of also places where you don't have any connection, uh, see what this uh, implies in, in relation to society at large and, and so forth, because you can really grasp um, this normalization process through looking at places or groups where this is not normal or tr uh, trying to resist and, and so forth. So, so I think that's an important thing also to, to keep in mind here. I think you're pointing to a key challenge also for geomedia, not only for geomedia, but uh, other uh, disciplines as well, or fields. Because what, what we are dealing with is that the whole question of presence and absence, near and far, uh, are being reconstituted in uh, complex ways that are very difficult to grasp. We need, in other words, a new cartography capture these differential recastings um, compared to yeah, the previous geographies that we had, the previous uh, cartographies that we used. We know where we are and we know what uh, is happening where, when. Now I think things have become very, very complicated. We, don't, we cannot 
talk about of, about a sender, a receiver, the noise, if we take the classical communication uh, model, for instance, and uh, silences, absences become much more complex. So in a way, that's what makes geomedia very interesting, very challenging, sometimes even a bit frustrating, I would say. Mm. I think so. uh, another very important point here is also that it's, it, this new situation creates new forms of reflexivity and, mm. and people mm. in everyday life need to develop kind of strategies for how to cope mm. with this situation mm. with being continuous, uh, uh, constantly connected online, um, communicating, uh, spreading uh, images and so forth in social media and commenting uh, publicly on, on various things. It's, it creates a new form of, of um, of reflexivity and you need to be aware of how things work um, in order to navigate and I mean uh, and, and that plays out in different ways in different uh, social groups and I, I can just as an example mention a, a case study we conducted of a very special group and the, um, of urban explorers uh, people you know, trying to search for abandoned places and, and hidden places and, and explore them so it's a very kind of spatial almost in, in some sense touristic form of leisure activity in, among especially middle class uh, groups um, and in that group it's, it's inter interesting to see how some some of them are really alternative and want to maintain this kind of uh, alternativeness of the activity also not using uh, media technologies exploring without any connections or you know really go offline at the same time while others are using all the GPS systems <laughs> to navigate and spread uh, images and, and kind of create brands for themselves uh, and um, you know keeping maintaining websites and so forth so you can really see how how you can within one particular subgroup etc you can see different um, approaches to media which is also then uh, representing society at large it can be in forms of in the shape of different forms of capital resources etc who you want to be basically that reminds me of of another case study that <laughs> we have done on uh, musicians uh, where we came to the conclusion that they r very reluctantly embrace the whole geomedia regime and uh, they are as other researchers has also talked before very reluctant entrepreneurs but still they see the need of really engaging with for example social media but also these intermediary uh, direct to fan platforms uh, where they also can get a lot of statistical data, follow the metrics on how their success rate is going up or down depending on if they have released a new song for example. So they are also, as another example then, very reflexive in the way they engage with social media, their social media appearance, their brand building activity, whether or not it's good enough or or sufficient enough, or if they should put more effort into that, which even, I mean, problematizes the whole question of what, what is it actually that musicians of today are supposed to do, mm -hmm. apart from creating music, mm -hmm. so. But I, I can feel in the, the other side of this, um, I can take an example from my case study uh, about migrants in Sweden that are, have arrived in yeah, the last five years or so. Um, for them, the, the media is essential for keeping uh, in touch with lost rel relatives or relatives back uh, in their homes and also be, being able to 
to look at the old TV shows I used to look at. So the media is, is not that it's another it's a part of their, their everyday life and, and keeping track with the, what they used to have. So it's uh, yeah, it's many aspects of of. Um, I remember this story in, at, the, at, the, at the height of the so-called migrant crisis in 2015, uh, where it was, uh, it, I think it was the journalist that was writing, the most important thing that a migrant needs is not money, mm. it's not clothes, mm. it's not even uh, food in some sense, it's a mobile phone. Mm. Uh, that's the most uh, precious uh, treasure you mm. have to keep. Uh, if you lose that, then is uh, you're lost mm. basically mm. so i think what lena was yeah mm. uh, mentioning is related to yeah, this mm. as well yeah and that's also is a good illustration of of a point that that we are making in our last book on on um, transmedia work we call it uh, where we make that argument that the more precarious you are the more you're, you are dependent on the media mm -hmm. and the more difficult you have just saying that, no, I should do a digital detox, I should leave the phone mm -hmm. aside. You cannot really afford mm -hmm. to do that. Mm -hmm. as, an, as a precarious mus musician or as a migrant worker, mm -hmm. it's a privilege to be able to, to disconnect. Mm -hmm. In a way, the research that I'm doing now in Geomedia, especially that related to mobility, to me is a continuation of what I've been doing since yeah, uh, the 90s, where I was trying to analyze mobility through a geopolitical lens, where I talk about the geopolitics of migration, mobility, differential mobility, empowerments, etc. Um, now, in relation to geomedia, I think uh, I'm getting more interested into issues of what I would call precarious mobilities. Mm. Uh, in contrast to privileged mobilities. Uh, the tourist is a privileged mobile subject, but often we forget the other types of mobilities, the precarious mobilities that Lena was talking about, the migrants as yeah. asylum seekers, refugees, the corpses that are floating in the Mediterranean. Sure, I mean, I think, as you say, one area that strongly resonates with the idea of geomedia is tourism, which is always been underpinned by technologies of both observation and navigation. Um, and I think, as I discussed previously with, with Gillian Rose, Empire cartographers always had military escorts. So there's a, a connection between, shall we say, overseas travel of Europeans and imperialism. Um, Mekinen, I mean, you've published extensively in this area. How does the modern tourist function in terms of this idea of sovereignty? Well, I think McConnell um, put it best. He asked the question, what is a modern expeditionary arm, army without weapons? And he answered it himself, tourists. Tourists are the equivalent of yeah, the colonial expeditionary armies of yore. Uh, they don't physically control the territory, colonize in that sense, but they are privileged subjects. You could say they are the sovereign mobile subject of our time. And this privilege is yeah, reserved only for a few, as we know. So tourism is shaping the world in fundamental ways, has been shaping the world in fundamental ways, and uh, creating distinctions between mobile and immobile subjects. But also, the whole aestheticization of 
the world, you could say, as a stage, as something that the tourist has to observe and enjoy and uh, can pick up. It's like a buffet, you know, very, very delicious, precious, uh, rare kind of delicacies that I, as a tourist, can pick every year or preferably several times a year. So the, pr the tourist actually, I would put it this way, those who do not take the tourist seriously cannot say anything about the contemporary. The tourist is so central to what's happening in the contemporary. So uh, we could say the mobile technologies of, uh, that we have been talking about perhaps uh, were a result of tourism mobilities uh, to enable, facilitate tourism mobility. So, uh, it is recasting the whole idea of presence and absence. I mentioned me and uh, Mats have coined what we believe is our concept. Let's hope so. It's called distant uh, hospitality. Uh, in the previous cases, well, uh, before the mobile phone, before the new digital revolution, so people had to meet face to face. Contacts with strangers were face to face. Now the stranger need not come to the door. The only thing the stranger has to do is to be present at the portal. So, uh, so th th yeah, just a few examples of what tourism can do and is able to do. So, Lena, you've studied issues to do with migration and integration here in Sweden. Mm -hmm. And an aspect of this is the idea that people are making a new home for themselves mm. uh, with all the challenges that that entails. And we see then that the theme of the Geo Media Conference this year is revisiting the home. How does media feed into the idea of homemaking that the conference will explore? Well, in, in, in many different ways. Um, one point that, that you mentioned is um, migrants coming to Sweden and, and or many other places and, and trying to make themselves feel at home in a new context and, and what media means um, in that process of homemaking. Um, but other aspects are, are um, well, maybe the, the increase of media in our homes, like smart applications and things come in where media actually enters our home and, and uh, becomes a part of our everyday lives. Um, as tourism, as we mentioned, also uh, as a part of a home, um, but not home and, and the media uh, and that. Is, so m many different aspects will be covered in our conference. Yeah, we also have one of the keynote speakers, Maren Hartmann, who has done work on home and homelessness, mm. which is also an interesting area. I mean, we see a growing number of people who are actually homeless also in our country. Mm. And and the fact that, uh, like we talked about, the Mekonen talked about the refugee and the importance of a mobile in that situation. And also in the case of homeless people, uh, the kind of, mm. and in that uh, precarious situation of uh, to the importance of having some kind of connectivity or connection with the uh, surrounding world and also thinking about these technologies as kind of things that you're you're reliant on to 
to even be, be a citizen. <laughs> now we also see the closing down of different uh, institutions in society, the offices, I mean, and then you, you are kind of relying on d digital services. So mm -hmm. then, like, you become homeless and then you, I mean, you, you become um, cut off from these things. And also, if you don't have a mobile, then it's like uh, ex extremely problematic. So the home is, is, um, is important in, um, in many different ways in relation to our new media uh, technologies. Mm -hmm. But also connected to what Karin mentioned earlier about um, people working without actually having a, an office, working from home and what media means for, um, yeah, working from your home and when your home becomes an office instead mm -hmm. of a home and, and the mix of, yeah, of this. Yeah, the home isn't uh, the container, if it ever was. It's it's not at all to that extent anymore. Um, with with media erasing the boundaries between home and and the outside world to a higher degree, and and I think it's also interesting the notion of home and how it's it's quite symptomatic also how it's becoming appropriated by uh, different companies and industries uh, to to sell specific places uh, that you should make yourself at home in. And one example is the co-working industry, which is also symptomatic of the more liquidized working life where you're not guaranteed to have a stable place to work in. So that's one of the industries that really invites you to a new kind of home, although a very temporary <laughs> one, because you're not allowed to be there for a longer period of perhaps a few months, then you have to to move on. So are we compelled today to carry our, carry our homes with us as we move about? I mean, mm. if we transferred the significance of home onto devices that now merely access a, mm -hmm. a remote, more secure storage is... Mm. And yeah, we are compelled to do so. And I think we also may want to do so to mm. some extent. It's, mm. it's again, the, the tension between empowerment and and more exploitive <laughs> mm. themes here because I think that many of us enjoy having our pictures of our kids, for example, in in the phone or having very easy access mm. to our to our um, yeah uh, close bys who who we may associate a lot with our home a feeling of home. Mm. So again, it's uh, it has a value, but it's also something that's being capitalized mm. and uh, turned into marketing mm. arguments. At the same time, I also think it's it's easy to, and I've sometimes seen that uh, to exaggerate this argument that okay, we have now we have media, we are at home with the media, we are at home in the media, mm. um, and we can kind of uh, create um, like nomadic uh, identities. We are free floating, and we can be uh, feel at home uh, everywhere. But it's also or anywhere, mm. <laughs> and that's kind of um, that's also an argument that seems to be very much preserved to the privileged people who actually have mm -hmm. okay you can always mm -hmm. fall back on some sense of belonging or some place where you can go and feel secure or feel at home and you can select these places if you want but um, it's it's not as easy to to to, uh, to advance such an argument uh, in relation to people who are actually uh, refugees or or um, kind of displaced mm. for for different matters. Some groups are also forced to leave their homes for other reasons in in the city, yeah, because of regeneration projects or whatever. So it's like, it's uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. it's a it's a place of um, it's a kind of tool for security and belonging uh, to most people probably, but not 
to everyone. So you should also keep that in mind, I think. It's yeah, it could be certainly be a fearful place for many people um, with abuse and everything like that mm. also mm. on top of that. And and there are certainly gender issues also, mm. which we discovered in another project that we mm. did that that to be able to move away from home, it it can't in some context demand that you have a partner who is uh, immobile staying at home doing the ground service sort of mm. <laughs> uh, so it's yeah again the 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 notion of privilege is very relevant to discuss in relation to home so it ties in i think with that kind of idea of security in a way doesn't it i mean that that's what privilege seems to mm. operate mm. in that sense mm. um i mean geomedia relates to aspects clearly of, of digital media which we've talked about a lot but of course, it also goes back in many ways to earlier media forms. And I'm thinking, say, of the ways that uh, photographs have always been about um, a certain kind of time and place that's moved on. Is is home always driven by a, a kind of nostalgia, a sort of longing for something that is always by definition in the past and somewhere else? Not always, I would say, but, but I think we tend to have quite nostalgic memories and and. and Especially for us, light the, the home we were raised in, try to re-establish that kind of home. Yeah, so mm-hmm. I suppose because it, 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 to me it connects also with with what you were saying, Andre, about um, urban explorers and things. I mean, they yeah. they explore a post-industrial landscape. Mm. The mm. photographs they upload have a a nostalgic tinge to them. Yeah. It's about something that's lost and so on so mm. i just wonder how in that sense the process is is built on that kind of idea of mm. um in that sense it's quite obvious that in, in not all cases but in, in some cases at, at least in, in our material we could see that yeah they go back to like old closed down factories and in like uh, provincial areas or formerly industrial areas where where they're parents or grandparents or the the parents of their friends uh, used to work etc sit and then you have these kind of remnants of an old era still standing there like huge monuments and and you can almost feel or you can see uh, what was going on there but it's like just a a nostalgic memory um, to some extent but it's I think in, in that case it's also it's it's not just a pleasant kind of nostalgia. It's also some something which is a bit fearful, <laughs> um, and and um, again, I think that now as my kind of thoughts move away, I mean also to this question of of ref- reflexivity. Then that it's uh, these people also start reflecting on okay, whether who who am I to come here as a kind of tourist to look at these places where they were kind of working really hard to make a living and some people even were killed in accidents in the f- in factories and, and so on during that period if we think about the like 19th century uh, uh, early 20th century um, industrial society so n- nostalgia is kind of ambivalent in that sense I, I believe so is the next generation in that sense gonna confront a very different uh experience and an expectation of home I and mean, we read a lot about how you know um, given the uh, difficulty of even acquiring you know secure employment and property and things like this there's there's a clear sense that you know for 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 our next generation one of their key problems is that they they won't have that security is that something that also feeds in then to how we need to speculate about 
the kind of consequences of these things? Yeah, I, I think you could place that in relation to the whole risk society and and the security industry that it it secures us that we always will have our home with us and uh, there will always be various places that we can identify as home and that's again it's symptomatic that it happens at this time and age I think that it says something about the actual <laughs> status of the home that it's for many people uh, freelancers, free movers, um, students who cannot afford housing, etc., homeless people, uh, migrants. It's um, it's a very seductive mm. argument, and and you can really sell on it that you can create artificial homes or virtual homes or homes with the help of media in different ways. I think. Mm. Yeah, but in that, in that sense, I also think it's important to actually question what is a home and what is it, what is it that makes you feel at home? Is it home is more than a building and, and um, place where you place your furniture. It's maybe um, the closeness to relatives or a place where you feel secure or, or something else. So it's I think it's important that we don't that we <laughs> see something more than these like apartments or houses when we talk yeah. about home. I think another aspect you, that you also touched upon here has to do with safety, which is, I mean, security is one mm. thing and to feel feel at home mm. in, in a secure way, but then it's um, meditation also affect our, our um, sense of safety and the fact that people want to use media to develop a sense mm. of safety and to feel safe from intruders and, and from crime and you have uh, various kinds of monitoring systems, alarm systems that basically uh, creates visible and invisible walls around your, your home place. But then you can also ask, okay, what kind of home are we creating in under such <laughs> conditions? I mean, if we really want to lock ourselves into this kind of um, secure um, securitized um, places and it's really I think home has to do also with um, you, as we said before you <laughs> might have access to a safe secure place but at the same time you're not kind of stuck there as a prisoner mm -hmm. I mean it's there is this concept of motility which uh, Vincent Kaufman has coined which means that you have the uh, capability of uh, being mobile if you want to if you need to but also not being mobile too mm. i mean you have a kind of control over whether to move or, or whether to stay put and i think that's also essential when you th we think about the home it's it's also a place where you can uh, stay and you can also choose to not be there yeah. <laughs> so to speak so it's mm. kind of more dynamic than just a fixed territory with the, these uh, digitalized walls around it or, or so. Mm. So I think it's really an interesting philosophical question that is kind of emerging there. At the conference we, we will have a panel that discusses the theme of home in relation to film. And, uh, film is quite a, a special kind of medium that both as form and subject can uh, uh, be very can very perceptively explore ideas uh, relating to memory and what we might call the dreaming of home where uh, affective fragments that it captures sort of powerfully resonate with an audience. 
And I think of Tarkovsky's 1975 film, The Mirror, as a sort of wonderful example as a, of a sort of poetic reflection on this process. We will be screening Malloy and Lawler's film uh, further beyond that at least in part relates to the experience of emigration and diaspora of, of the Irish, which foregrounds some of the complexities of the ideas of home. We also have the, the Swedish film Sami Blood, and the Sami, of course, are a kind of nomadic people uh, in, in, in the way that we've talked about. What questions does this subject raise here in Sweden? Uh, what is the film connected with in Sweden today in this regard? Well, I would say, would say that it's connected to, well, <laughs> questions of colonialism, uh, internal colonialism, and, and uh, also senses of, of the topics of home and who's, who's home and who, who is allowed to feel at home in certain places and, and also belonging. Karin, you're involved in the uh, master study program in G Media that, that we have here. And of course, uh, an important area of re research, as, as you've mentioned, is, is employment or more specifically work. One concern for many today is that we seem to be compelled to work everywhere rather than in a workplace. How does this idea of transmedia work relate to geomedia? Um, I think it's exactly, or part of it at least, is that um, rhetoric that you mentioned, uh, this idea that we are able to work wherever and whenever, however, just by, by help of, of media. And then I think it's very important to, to both be open to the fact that yes, the media does change our relation to space and opens up borders material borders that that we yeah that that hinders us from working everywhere uh, but at the same time it's it's also a false notion in the sense that it completely ignores the materialities of work that are still in place and and that work always has this physical material context to it um so uh, the notion of transmedia work then as as um, you mentioned is is to both uh, recognize the the increased liquidity and fluidity that is created in in work life and our, our everyday life in general but at the same time also um, try to figure out what are the borders that still exist and and what are the frictions that still exist and, and the glitches and um, yeah, where things doesn't really flow as easily as the rhetoric usually have it. I think there's something quite uh, powerful in one sense in the way that uh, you know we we check our email on our phones on the way to work. We we when we're travelling, we we're always engaged, and even when we're at home and so on and so forth. I mean. Is it a, a sort of invasive process in that regard, or is it something that we need to wake up to and start imposing restrictions on ourselves in this process? Because, you know, it's there's there's also something liberating about exactly. the, the 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 process. Mm. Um, yeah, and uh, and your your yeah, that's correct, and and that's one of the endeavors of this book is trying to figure out uh, and to compare the negative potential negative aspects of this development and and still recognize what is positive about it um, but I think um, 
this whole idea of us trying to actively step out of this transmedia environment is becoming increasingly tricky if we consider that it is becoming increasingly normalized to the extent that, again, the notion of invisibility, we might not even reflect upon all the, the different engagement with, that we have with media. And it's also an important part of the book is talking exactly about the change of norms and expectations and requirements that are both explicit and implicit when it comes to our engagement with, with media. It can be, um, well, we have a, a, an entire technology industry that very explicitly said that if you don't use media in working life, you will fail and you will not succeed, you won't have a career, you won't be networked and things like that. And then there are also more subtle and more implicit imperatives telling us to engage with media. Uh, it could be expectations coming from your boss, for example. Uh, he doesn't tell you explicitly that you are expected to be available all the time, but still you get these little hints that you should probably be uh, so, and, and again, that you should be present on social media and things like that. So it's both. And, and this is also, I think, when, when the question of reflexivity pops up yeah. again, that it's, it's, it's basically something that boils down to how, how the individual ultimately m make, makes mm -hmm. a decision in, in, in that case where to draw the line, so to speak, and whether to turn, turn your device on or off at certain um, places or in certain situations, etc. Uh, not to say that everyone has the privilege, again, to, to be reflexive in that regard. Sometimes you're forced to do things in, in a certain way, but it's uh, um, quite often it, it's, uh, it's a matter of reflexivity and to have yourself discipline, so to speak. Mm. And in the whole, I mean, we talk about the gig economy and, and we have a lot of uh, new entrepreneurs um, capitalizing on precariousness. Uh, and offering on-demand jobs, gigs, <laughs> and uh, certainly for for that category of workers that are dependent on those jobs to even have a, a salary to be able to pay the rent, there really isn't an option to to drop your mobile phone because then you won't even learn about <coughs> the potential mm. jobs that you might get. So uh, again, that's, yeah, it's a very interesting topic to discuss in relation to privilege and and precariousness and we have to be aware that it doesn't work the same for for all of us uh, we have to be more sensitive to to the social strata and power relations in that i think there's a a powerful uh, effective aspect of this isn't there this phrase fear of missing out which mm -hmm. yeah. you know um uh, is built into strategies now for you know, not just marketing, but also employment and things like this. So, the the idea then that we, you know, we again we we build into ourselves on a level of kind of anxiety things around these yeah. processes, which is. Uh, and one consequence then, of course, is that there there are new industries and new uh, businesses popping up trying to to solve that problem. I mean, that's a kind of it's a kind of natural market logic. Okay, then you can have um, mobile applications for monitoring how much you are online and what what you're doing, mm -hmm. and, and uh, to tell you to turn off your mobile. <laughs> and then you have services for for uh, digital detox and and. Uh, Various forms of wellness, etc., life coaching. So this is a whole industry 
emerging also in order to take care of all these uh, kind of negative uh, effects of, of, uh, of a life online and a working life online. Mm -hmm. So what kind of places is the master's program interested in studying? Are we talking about things on a national or a global scale? Or where is the important work in this regard, this idea of, of places? This mm -hmm. um, also in the program, I think it's relevant that we move on different levels. So there will be more macro perspective, trying to, to grasp the, the global change and the, the wider geography, so to speak, um, and also on a national level. We talk, for example, about changes in, in the cultural industries and how they are affected by the entrance of, of geomedia. Um, but then we also move down to more, or move down, <laughs> perhaps up to, to everyday life um, and uh, talk about the impact on... Uh, yeah, on individuals, when we go to the gym, when we do our grocery shopping or when we go to work or when we study, those everyday places are also a very important part of of uh, the focus of the program, I think. It's, um, <coughs> it's also important to stress here that it's an international program. We will have uh, students from many different places. So it's also important to think about this as kind of le uh, global learning community that we hope to establish because we also have experiences from previous uh, international programs where it's really it's a fantastic resource uh, to have all these different experiences from around the world and you can have a, a number of different cases and examples so we, we can really learn from mm. one another uh, how, how this uh, how the geomedia situation mm. uh, is in different places around mm. the world. And we also have, as an example of our engagement with, with um, the wider geography, is also that we have excursion uh, planned in the program uh, that can take us to different sites and to study specific geomedia-related problems or topics at that site. So it's more than just a trip? It's more than just a trip. <laughs> you also have to write something. <laughs> Very annoying. <laughs> So how did you come to decide on the, the specialised areas of study then? I mean, how did you, you know, people are coming to do a programme in GME, the studies, but then, of course, you know, in, we have these specialisations. So and what, mm. what was the sort of logic behind the areas that you've flagged yeah. up? Oh, well, the logic behind it is partly to acknowledge our own areas of expertise and the themes and the topics that are in the courses reflect the themes and topics that are in the general geomedia research group. So we really wanted to, to make the most of our own competence and, and to tr yeah have the students take part of that. And still at the same time, we also have to balance that again against what is what is relevant for, for students and uh, what does the new work market demand and, and things like that. So it's a combination of, of different considerations. And we are also hoping that the students uh, will come from different fields or, or uh, um, have bring different kind of knowledge into the program so that not only us can share our knowledge but to exchange on with them and that then they can learn each other. The students from maybe tourism studies and geography, um, spatial planning, media and communication and, and things like that. So they, they can also learn from each other. Yeah, 
So that yeah, that's a very good point because the whole idea behind the program is for it to be interdisciplinary, uh, and uh, it it really in integrates human geography and and media studies mm. and and related areas. So in that sense, then how do we how do we prepare young people for a, a future of work that's said very different perhaps than than, than the past? Well, f again, if we talk about this specific problem, I think it's a matter of of um, mixing, uh, as always, uh, theory with more practical elements. Uh, we have internship, for example, and we have uh, guest lecturers that and project works that are supposed to get set them in touch with with the work market. And still, then we also have the the more theoretical aspects that also problematizes specific <laughs> exactly that work market. And and I, I I would expect that some of the students, for example, would be interested in things like uh, place branding or working with different Internet of Things or smart city um, design or things like that. And they so we we should offer them the tools to to allow them to work with those um, areas but still we want them to be reflexive and we want them to be critical so that <laughs> so that they can also contribute to 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 yeah making this work market as good as mm. it can be it's a, fine it's a bit idealistic perhaps <laughs> but and that they know what they are doing yeah yeah, yeah. actually yeah so <laughs> not just being a part of the flow but it's very easy to do mm. so. It's very easy to just uh, accept the, the jargon again mm. and the rhetoric and, and just go out and think that, well, technology is great mm. always and mm. it's very democratic and it can change things. And But then we also have to <laughs> problematize that, of mm. course, and, and to learn, teach our students to do so. So the notion of a reflexive subject is in, important. Sure, definitely. Yeah, it's kind really of contemporary mm -hmm. sense. Exactly. Yeah. It's um, we, of course, we want to educate our students for a working life, which uh, so they can get a job, etc. But we also want to educate citizens and, mm -hmm. and people who can take responsibility for for the future of mm -hmm. our society. To put it a bit boldly. <laughs> yeah. Excellent. Well, thank you, everyone. Um, so, just one final question: uh, Have you been watching any? TV series or films recently that are particularly relevant to geomedia studies or how do we connect Ooh. with the entertainment uh, media today? I'm, I'm stuck in Scott and Bailey, the British uh, TV series, <laughs> the crime solving theme. Um, and I, I don't know if it's especially a, a geomedia theme in there, but, but it's obvious how media is a part of everyday life in that series both in and and the way that these um, police officers solve crimes and and looking in in, in cctvs for example um, and but also in their private lives and and things happening around phones and and social media and and things like that so um, yeah that's why i come out yeah, I think that we can see a, a, a not a consistent genre, perhaps, but there is certainly um, a recognition in a lot of TV series of the, f the the importance or role of 
social media, for example, in our everyday lives. And and when you talked, it reminded me of of this Norwegian TV series, Scam, mm. <laughs> which uh, was um, oriented towards some a younger public, and and I think really managed to to capture how social media. Um, is very much a part of their social relations, their social interactions, mm. and and also problems uh, of being revealed for mm. something that you mm. did on social media, mm. for example, or that there is a big conflict erasing exactly because of a post that you did on on Twitter or something like that. So and and there are also different TV series I think that that also take advantage of that as a sort of uh, narrative um, tactic almost to include. Uh, um, social media posts, mm. <laughs> for example. I can uh, <coughs> finish with, <laughs> with a, a very different example, actually. I mean, what I mostly recently read was a long biography about um, the Swedish author Wilhelm Moberg by Jens Liljestrand. And it's, uh, of course, then it's, it's an interesting historical perspective because Moberg is known for especially his uh, four books about the Swedish immigration and the starting with the emigrants and, and uh, of course that is a interesting contrast to today's uh, situation for migrants and also for tourists and, and to thinking about their uh, history how, how it was to uh, to travel under conditions where with, with no kind of or uh, not very much guidance uh, through media and, and also the kind of correspondence that took place uh, back and forth across the Atlantic Ocean um, how, how very different uh, that situation was. I think that's an interesting kind of reminder to see how, how quickly things have actually changed uh, and how different the perspectives uh, can be today. Well, thank you all very much.